Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Good morning, City Collective, and thanks for joining us for this Hub Sunday gathering in different spaces across the Lower Mainland and here online. We are able to see God at work in our community, and we are so excited that you're here with us this morning. We are in the final week of our series, Ravens and Roses, looking at loss, grief, and when life doesn't go according to plan. And wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith this morning, these are real elements of real life which we all encounter. So you're so welcome here to to journey through this idea of loss with us. Now, all of us battle with some area of wanting to control. Uh, Some of you are like, do you do it in my way, in my time, all the time, and if you don't do it right, I'll do it myself. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, some of you work for that person. Some of you are that person. Uh, in, the some, in the home, some of you are control freaks in the workplace. So we all have spaces in which we crave and we desire control. Everything has a place. It has to be done my way. Don't touch that. Leave that there. Whatever it is, the, the language of control that occupies the spaces we're in. And what I want to do today is address this big issue. It's fun to make fun of, but the reality is whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours control, what it actually is is a reflection of a really big spiritual problem. What we're trying to do in this one area of our life, we're trying to be like God. I want to control because I know what's best. And we're trying to be like God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 teaches us this. We are to trust in the Lord, surrender to God, lean lean on Him and not on our own understanding, to be completely in His hands, to trust in the Lord with how much of our hearts? We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. That's what the Proverbs says. How much of your heart are you actually trusting to God? We're to trust Him with all of our heart. And then we're told, and this is where it gets really difficult to me, is we're told to lean not on our own understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to figure it out. I want to be in control. I don't know what should happen. I have read that verse and lived out a version more like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on my own understanding. Instead of lean not on our own understanding. In how many of our ways, it says in all of our ways acknowledge Him, but in how many of our ways, what are we to do? What we're, we're to acknowledge Him? The Hebrew word that's translated as submit is actually translated as acknowledge. This, this idea is actually to submit to Him. This word actually means to know. It's, it's the same word that's used of Adam knowing Eve. It means an intimate knowing. We're, we're to trust in the Lord with every bit of our heart. In other words, I'm not to be anxious about anything. I'm supposed to be trusting in God. Now, that's easier said than done. And so we crave this idea of control, and yet it's something that often is lost. We're to submit to God in everything, acknowledge Him, to know Him in all our ways. We know Him, we acknowledge Him, we submit to Him. And when we do that, we don't make our path straight. Who does? He does. He will make our path straight. So what do we do? We trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in every single way we acknowledge Him, we submit to Him, we know Him, and He will make our paths straight.
Now, this is a great idea, but here's the problem, and many of you will see this in your own life, I know I see it often in my own, that the more that we try to control, the more that we are afraid of losing control. And the more we're afraid of losing control, the more we try to control, and the more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And before long, it is this all-consuming cycle, the cycle of fear, and essentially, we're edging God out saying, God, I want to control this. But eventually, we all come to a place where control is lost. So today, we're looking at this idea of control. What happens when we lose it? And in, in particular, the life of Joseph. So if you could turn with me, we're going to read from Genesis chapter 37, verses 17 to 28. Genesis 37, 16 to 28. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go, down, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As they approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern in, here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed, so when the Ishmaelite traders, who were Medianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Thanks to our facilitators who are leading us out in the reading at our hubs. Now, this is a passage that I think we can all agree feels incredibly unfair and out of control. How dare they do this to Joseph? No one, no one really likes doing what they can't control. And this is exactly what's taking place in the life of Joseph. He's sent somewhere completely different. And I feel this. I, I don't want to be doing anything that I can't control. For example, I do not like roller coasters. I don't like anything to do with a thrill ride because I feel so out of control. Give me something that I can control the movement, how fast, how slow. I want to be able to control the movement of that vehicle. But when I'm on a roller coaster, that doesn't feel particularly good to me. And all I'm thinking about is I can't control. If this goes wrong, this goes sideways, I am done. Now, some of you like roller coasters, but if you want to talk about a roller coaster of control, we need to look at this passage from Genesis and the life of Joseph. The man went through a roller coaster of control. Now, if you've never read the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors, this is a story driven by jealousy and, if we're being honest, a hint of pride from our guy Joseph. 
A story in which the brothers could see their lives going exactly as Joseph would dream. He dreamed of them bowing before him, serving him, and they wanted nothing to do with that. So rather than life, let life happen to them, they decide to take matters into their own hands and they sell their brother off. And thus begins Joseph's journey, a life that would have seemed very much in control. He was the favored one. He was the one given the opportunity, but it would now be set on a track that would lack any semblance of those natural markers of control for some time. Those markers of family. Of, of a stable vocation, of a job we choose, of a living situation, of wealth, of opportunity. There was nothing that was perfectly situated for him. Yet we see in this story of Joseph a constant temptation to have a craving for control overwhelm our desire to honor God. See, he would be sold into the house of Potiphar. And if you have ever seen Prince of Egypt, you know what goes down. Potiphar's wife, she takes a liking to Joseph and she makes an advance towards him. But if you think that you had it all put up, all put together like Joseph, he's like, things are been better. I should move forward. You know what? This is an opportunity to better my situation. I just have to compromise just a little bit, but it's better for me in the long term to receive favor, to take control of the moment. But it would all come at the cost of his heart. Now, chances are you'll never be accosted by Potiphar's wife with this temptation, but you will be tempted with something. Now, I don't know who it is or what you're going to be tempted with, but there is someone here who will be tempted to take control when something doesn't go your way. But it will be at the cost of your heart, of your integrity, and of what you know to be right. Loss of control is often something we grieve and that which we lose, we pursue to replace. That sense of control, that power of control, that security of control, that knowledge of control. But when we look at the life of Joseph, I think it leads us to ask some different questions around this area. He's brought to this place of temptation and he's had to make a decision of will he, will he sell off his own soul just for a semblance of control? And so the first question we can ask is, is it worth my concern? The second is, is it mine to control? And the third, is it for God alone? And that, that first question, is your pursuit of control born out of real concern or overwhelming anxiety? Anxiety-driven control can sabotage healthy relationships or situations in our lives and blind us from even seeing how it isn't worth our, our concern in the moment. Sometimes it's just not worth pursuing that control because of the cost it was going to have on our lives. The second one, is it mine to control? Is it something I should, should do something about? And honestly, sometimes the answer is yes. Because how many of you know God won't do everything for you? God wants you to do some things yourself. And there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. For example... If you messed up financially, you don't just sit around going, okay, God's going to come through for me and buying a lottery ticket every day in hope of hitting it big. That's all you do. God's going to go, I gave you two hands and I gave you two feet. You go to work. Don't spend so much. Spend less than you're making. Do something about it. If, if your marriage is in trouble, what can you do? Well, you can shift your perspective. 
You can, you can adjust your heart. You can examine yourself. You can try going to counseling and going to something proactive to improve the situation you're in. Joining a small group. Developing a spiritual connection with others to be voices of wisdom and accountability in our lives. Sometimes there is an invitation to take control of the moment because of the God-given ability that's been handed to each of us. If you're a single guy and you want to get married, push past that feeling of insecurity and put yourself in healthy situations to get to know people. Build some stability, get a job, brush your teeth, put on deodorant, do the practical. There's just some things you should do. And ask yourself so honestly, is it mine to control? If it is, then you should do something about it. Joseph recognized on his journey there was much that he could not control, but there was some that he could, and he grabbed hold of those moments. And then the third question I think we need to ask, is it for God alone? Is this one of those areas that I'm trying desperately to control, but it's not mine to control? This one is for me to surrender to God alone. Now, when most people talk about the American dream, they talk about safety, security, growing old with my kids, with grandkids, having all sorts of money. It's all about the here and now. And in truth, this is antithetical to Scripture, where Jesus actually says to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow me. He didn't invite the disciples into this American dream concept that has kind of overwhelmed culture. He invited them into a life of absolute surrender. And anyone who has spent any time in the New Testament can see that following Christ is not easy. In fact, the people that, that were begging him to, that they could follow him, Jesus says, are you sure? Because the foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you follow me, you're going to be homeless tonight. It's not going to be all the comfort that you dreamed of. The, the, the four-story house and the nice car, and you, have, you won't get the comfort that you thought was coming. You're really leaving things up in the air rather than controlling them, which is what the American dream really is all about. And whether you abide by it consciously or not, we all are abound by it to some degree. I've got control over my life. I've got everything set up for the rest of my life, and that's the absolute dream. And so we're looking at absolute control versus absolute surrender, the way of the world versus the way of Jesus. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he's implying lordship. He's, he's saying that I'm the master and I'm going to help guide you forward. And, and this, this always doesn't make sense, but we've got to grab hold of this idea when we say I'm going to follow Jesus. Otherwise, we're just giving lip service of calling him Lord, and yet you aren't doing what I'm asking you to do where we can find any type of biblical mandate or promise and have this intellectual assent to who Jesus is. And I want him to be my savior, but I don't have any desire to actually follow him. And that just isn't what the New Testament shows us. Maybe in more simplistic terms, this craving for control has us basically coming to the point of saying, I want to keep control of my life, but I just want this assurance of the after. And we compromise all around us in what we do because we crave control. Now, now, now look at me. Christians are not people who just believe some things. 
We're not just some people who believe a good idea. We are people who have unconditionally surrendered to the call of Christ to come into the life of Christ. That I have died and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's Galatians 2.20. And what is so painful for, for me to see and for us to see is that we so often, we equate following Jesus as an Instagram follower. Partial surrender being defined as Christianity. I'll like the pictures I appreciate and avoid the difficult ones. I'll watch the stories that I like and comment on those, but if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm not going through it. I'll just keep scrolling till it makes me feel good again. And we go on justifying our actions and in some ways bartering with God. If I give you this, then you can forgive me for this. Or I can hold on to this. Or that maybe should be good enough for you so that you can ignore how toxic, toxic this thing is in my life. Because that's grace, right? That I'm holding on and I'm refusing to relinquish control of this. But you're just going to forgive me so I'm going to continue to live in that space. But the terms of engagement with Jesus are unconditional surrender. But that is not to take things from you, but an invitation into life with Jesus. To relinquish control is an unconditional surrender, which leads to obedience. And I don't think you can over-preach or over-emphasize grace, but grace does not make sin safe. To take advantage of the forgiveness of God is not receiving grace at all, but actually exposing your life to brokenness that grace is wanting to protect you from. Paul says we should sin more so that grace should abound. No. The life and words of Jesus is calling us to say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments and experience the fullness of life, the, the overflow of life that I so desire for you. Jesus didn't just come to forgive you. He came to heal you. Jesus didn't come to just free you. He came to, to use your life. Jesus didn't come to save, just save you. He came to, to change you for the better. But unconditional surrender has to be there. And unconditional surrender is not the repression of our desires. And it isn't the apathy for life. Unconditional surrender is a relinquishment of control from following our own way to following the way of Jesus. The, the sacrificial, sacrificial stewardship of the self for the sake of others. When Jesus talks about self-denial, he's not trying to repress us. He's trying to channel our passion for the good of others. Unconditional surrender is not the repression of desires, but the redirection of them in the way of Jesus. Sometimes we think giving up control means I have to give up what I desire, what I'm passionate about. But when we put it in the hands of Jesus, so much more comes out of it. It's this sacrificial stewardship for the sake of others, not to control ourselves for the sake of self. God is giving us instructions about what to do with our passion and our vision and how to cultivate it. And, and you don't just drift into this, but we need to make a committed decision daily to sacrificially give of myself for the good of others today. Loss of control can be something that happens to us, and we must learn to respond as we see in the life of Joseph. It can be unfair, it can be out of control, it can be life-altering, yet Joseph made decisions asking questions of himself in the midst of it, looking at what he was invited to control, but his passions, his ambitions, his desires, his interactions, his priorities, his relationships, he was told to pay attention. 
And always doing so with this distinct filter is what I'm doing, honoring to the Lord of my life to whom I trust, even when it doesn't make perfect sense. Loss of control can also be something we need to relinquish. Especially in our modern day conversations where control is the pursuit and comfort is the goal. To to surrender our lives is to admit our desperate need for more than simply what the world offers. We are restlessly in pursuit of rest. Augustine, he says, that you've made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless unless they find rest in you. Ultimately, our pursuit of control is this desire for rest that comes within it. And I'm not talking about lying on a couch and taking a nap, even though that's great. But but a rest for our soul, where peace, joy, and hope fills our hearts as we continue forward in life. This is what we crave in our pursuit of control. Philippians 4 says, we go before God with thanksgiving. And he says that peace of God, which transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. What do we do when there is something we can't control? We're invited to say, God, this one's actually yours. I present this to you. I trust it to you. And I'm trusting in you with all my heart. I'm leaning not on my own understanding. And in this particular situation, and in all my situations, I'm acknowledging you. I'm submitting to you. I am knowing you. And I'm praying that you would do something about this. Church, as we walk through these ideas of loss, the the, the loss of vision, the loss of life, necessary loss and this week talking about the loss of control the loss of control in our lives is something that we need to have an openness to and when control is taken from us and it is felt to be unfair and unjust there is a temptation to compromise the goodness that God is inviting us into to recapture the control that we believed to be ours. But when we open ourselves to discovering trust in the midst of loss, we have the opportunity to discover God's unending grace in the midst of it, his peace that comes over us, and this invitation to do what it really means to follow Jesus, to choose surrender over control and to experience that life overflowing that Christ invites us into. Can we deny ourselves? Can we pick up our cross and follow him? Can we understand that there is more to our story than simply the fulfillment of that which we believe we want? And can we trust that God truly has the best for our lives and we're willing to trust him to lead us forward towards it. It might not look the way you thought it looked. It might not be perfectly situated in the way that you wanted it to be. But the promise we are given is that it will be more than anything we have ever imagined, full of that rest 
that our restless hearts are always desiring. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we give you thanks that in the midst of our lives that are pursuing control, you invite us to surrender. In a world that says that comfort and control are directly related, you say that comfort is directly related to surrender because surrender puts us in the arms of the Father where peace, hope, and joy and, and, and your love and grace overwhelms us so that we can find rest, where we can find purpose, where we can find peace. As we've continued through this series and we've identified this, these areas of loss, Thank you that you have spoken to us, that you have guided us. And I just pray right now for everyone who is listening that our hearts would be open to your spirit, to your, your leading, to your guidance. That you would help us to identify the areas where we refuse to relinquish control and you would just comfort us as we step into this place of surrender. Give us boldness this morning, Father. We trust you, we place our hope in you, and we give you thanks. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.